Welcome to Round Book Pod. I'm Sarah, and today we have author Claudie Arsenault with us to discuss queer platonic relationships in romance, speculative fiction, and other genre fiction. Welcome, Claudie. Hi. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to have you. So you've written um, Baker Thief, which is one of my particular favorites. I think I actually have most of your books. Um, I just haven't gotten around to not the uh solar fantasy series the other high fantasy series whose name i can't remember now the city of spires <laughs> is the entire series yes that series i've i've that series is on my tbr i just read the white renegade the other day yeah oh you have no, a cat the around not, not the time to yell i'm sorry friend <laughs> so with baker thief um you had writ wrote it read, did it wrote it Wrote it? It? <laughs> I think you, it's because you started. I, I have written it and I wrote it. Both are fine, I think. You intended it to use tropes that are common in romance, but to use it in for a queer platonic relationship. And I suppose I should yes. define what a queer, queer, queer platonic relationship is for those who don't know. Basically, it is a relationship that isn't romantic but it's a different form of intimacy. Like, it doesn't have to involve sexual intimacy. Sometimes they do, but it's not a romance. And it's not quite the same thing as a friendship. It's complicated because we don't exactly have words for everything. <laughs> yeah, and I think part of the reason it's like a good word is it, it's that it encompasses a bunch of things that are very different. And what a queer platonic relationship will be for two characters will be completely different for two others. And I think when the word was created by by a romantic person, that was the goal to have some kind of shapelessness to it. Yeah, and I think in a in a in a, an ideal world, because I know romance is focused on a romance. Um, to me, and I know other I've talked to other people, and they disagreed that queer platonic romances that that queer platonic relationships have a place in stories about relationships, but we're not there yet. <laughs> as like a society to do that um but i really enjoy reading queer platonic relationships because it helps me see me and my uh, my friends yeah i mean part of the the struggle with where you place these stories is that i mean one one of the things that really that's really enjoyable to romance as a genre is uh it's focused on relationships and characters and it can be really intimate and and that's something you can absolutely do with a lot of other relationships. It's just not something that has taken off as a genre, but it's like we see more and more of them. Stories about friendships, stories about mentors. Um, that's and I mean we haven't touched on common bonds yet, but that's exactly why we did the anthology. Common bonds is an anthology of it. it's all platonic relationships, not just queer platonics. And part of the goal was to just illustrate how much these stories uh, that we are used to kind of telling through romance uh, uh, about the importance of other people and that sort of stuff, these can exist really easily on other forms of relationships. And there's a tons of really good books that do that. Yeah, I was really, uh, I missed the Kickstarter for Common Bonds. Um, so it's on <laughs> my uh, TBR to buy the paperback of but I was really excited to see that and that there are because like anthologies are I think a really great 
tool to get stories out there for different types of like relationships and different types of or sexual orientations, gender identities, romantic orientations, um, because you get like a really cool mix of stories. Yeah, it's a really good way to touch up on a bunch of little things at the same place. And, and then if, I don't know, if you find something you like in there, like you particularly like mentorship relationships, you can jump from common bonds to a bunch of other stories. And, and that's true for all anthologies. Uh, it's, it's a nice way to kind of dip in different aspects of a team. Yeah. Um, with Baker Thief, I might have mentioned this on Twitter to you once. Um, it felt very, like, it was giving me a lot of, like, Full Metal Alchemist vibes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, but I really it's, enjoyed... It's funny because... No, go ahead. Oh, it's because I'm trying to mentally place uh, when I watched Full Metal Alchemist while writing Baker Thief, because I think Full Metal Alchemist actually came a little after, because I watched that really late in my life. Uh, in quotes uh, compared to a lot of other people and I think I had the first the very first draft of it done but there's a lot of elements in like you know the the old part about uh, using people's lives as a sort of fuel for either magic or rituals or that's in a lot of different things and Iron, I know that like from Baker Thief I know the exact thing I was thinking about when I wrote that is actually it's a video game that's called Tales of Symphonia and they have like that word for word in it and it's it's a little red gems too. So I know where I took it, but like afterwards, yeah, the full Michael Alchemist too, especially the part with the city too. That's kind of like, yeah, that's part of it. I really enjoyed how um, Claude, Claire, and Adele. Adele. I, I really enjoyed how their relationship worked and how like the world building and all that stuff. It was really a lot of fun reading it. I ended up picking it um, as a story to do for my book club in the before times. <laughs> um, yeah. And everyone really enjoyed it. Yeah, I love that. One of the things that was really unique about this one is because I wanted to kind of like follow to some extent uh, romance tropes. Um, there's a lot of things in, in like landmarks in romance that you cannot necessarily use when you have a platonic relationships. Like, a, a, uh, Claire and Adele have their kiss in the thing, and but it comes perhaps later than a lot of romance would have it. But also, it's not something all queer platonic relationship would want to have, and it's and it's a good like it's a important marker in romance, just the kiss, the I love you, and those are things that I had to really think through about whether or not I wanted to use them and whether or not they fit the relationships. And that's I think that's something that's kind of unique to a lot of the the queer platonics that. I've read about is that they all have like there are some things that will be like romance in some ways and there are some things that they will completely set apart because that that doesn't work for them and when yeah. you when you try to emulate the rhythm of a romance but you don't actually have a romance there's a lot of things that you kind of have to work around and it, it makes for a like when I was reading it afterwards it, it does it still makes for a different kind of pacing like as hard as you can try and also I have roots in fantasy more than romance so like I, I can I can see my fantasy roots and the pacing there and the way the plot like unfolds. Yeah, no, it was it was it was really interesting with the pacing, um, as you said, and I, I I really loved it. One of the other stories that I've read with a queer platonic relationship that was sold as a romance um, is Syncopation by Anna Zabo. I really enjoyed yeah. that book 
with the exception to the villain who was cartoony. I really enjoyed it, I think, except for the epilogue, because it didn't, like... I'm so glad you're saying it and not me. Uh, I, I, like, I don't know if they actually use Queer Planet for themselves in the, in the thing, in the, in the I actual... Don't, I don't yeah, think they do. The, um, I don't think they actually use the word, which, like, I'm, one of the things that's kind of strange is that um, a lot of our romantic people will get in relationships, but they don't always um, use Queer Planet for them, and... and because I think, well, first of all, not all, all romantic people are adverse to being in a romance or a romantic relationship, which is actually my, my case. And I, would, I wouldn't I would actually use Queer Planet for my relationship, like my 10 years partnership. I think, I don't know, I think it's because the, the word has a certain use for like the undefined relationships. And mine is pretty, like it follows a lot of classical romance things, which is actually... And I'm thinking about that because uh, Syncopation has a very classic romance epilogue, I, I want to say. Like, and it's it, it, jarred, it jarred me because one of the things that I... The aromantic rep is incredible in it. I loved it. Like, if you're looking for... Um, um, Xavier is pansexual, if I remember correctly, but definitely allosexual. If you're looking for allosexual aromantic rep, this is a great book for it. And... One of the things that kind of struck me is that he is very clear at one point in the book that he does not want like typical wedding or typical like romance structure. And they have a, this really beautiful scene where they actually establish like boundaries and what, what he likes and what he doesn't like in a relationship. This is, I think, one of the, this is one of my favorite parts with our romantic characters that get in either romantic relationships or queer platonic relationship is that there's usually a lot of boundary de uh, defining that is sometimes kind of skipped in romance because it's kind of understood where it's supposed to be going and they have this scene and it includes a lot of like typical like i will not buy you flowers things and a lot of these like kind of things are in the epilogue and i thought that was yeah. a little but you know and that's the epilogue they got married for tax purposes which i know people who have who are yeah, ace and arrow, who've gotten married for tax purposes. So I was like, okay, that makes sense. But like Zav bringing Ray flowers and that sort of yeah, thing was like, well, was, he, just, he said earlier in the book he doesn't want to do this. So yeah. I think for me, I loved everything about it and I ignore the epilogue. It's kinda, <laughs> um, and I know it's, Anna, they've said themselves that they're not entirely sure if they consider their own books romances anymore, which I thought was interesting. Um, it is. It really is. Because like... Um, yeah, I've, I've, I've been meaning to pick up the rest of this series, even if, like, if the focus is no longer on, on Xavier, because I really enjoyed that. And and you're right, the, and the flowers are red, if I recall correctly, too. If they had been coated with another color, I think that might have gone, like, over easier. And it's the fact that it's, like, there's there's a time skip, and basically you don't see the evolution. It's not that it, this can't happen and it's unrealistic. It's just that you go from clearly established boundaries to uh, something that doesn't fit with them. It was a little yeah. weird, but but otherwise that that that's a pretty good book to pick up. Honestly, it, it is a fantastic book. Um, yeah. I have the audio for all three of the books. Um, I actually also have um, all the books in the mass markets because I was able to meet Anna um, at a local convention. They had um, all the author copies of the books, and I was like, mine. <laughs> Oh yeah. I was like, it's okay, the, the 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 art the author signing opens exactly at this time. I leave this panel at this time. I'm gonna run. 
Yeah, I've, I I have uh, two Dark Moons in, in signed form too, because two Dark Moon is uh, for everyone else. It's a YA um, fantasy with absolutely gorgeous uh, world building from Avi Silver. And, and they're a Canadian author and I get to see them like once a year. Well, obviously not the last year, but, and I, I, I had a, a, an ebook version, but as soon as I could get my hands on a signed copy, I did. This one has astrology and um, giant lizards. And it has also like an aromantic MC that develops a complicated relationship with someone that used to live with, that actually lives with the lizards. They're and giant salamanders because, and I love them. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I and, just finished this the, the other day and I was like, oh my god, this is absolutely delightful. And it's so good because there's both the kind of uh, having to discuss what we want because one of them is a romantic, at least one of them I don't remember for the boy. And I don't remember if it's a boy either. So I'm gonna... Uh, I don't... I think... It's been two years. I don't, oh, I don't quite remember. So I'm gonna go with them. Um, basically, they, they used they pronouns for that character because they didn't particularly care about gender or the way the astrology thing plays was, gender was, on people, depending on what month they were born. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to just default to they for everyone because it's been two years. I don't actually remember. I could also the, pull them out. The second book comes out in July. Yes, and, I know. Uh, it's Which a queer... Like, it's it's still the queer platonic, but it looks like it's headed towards like a really weird, cool polyamory type thing with Yay. a prince who has a sword and is a himbo. And I'm like, yes. Oh yes. hell yes! I can't. I'm 100 here for this. Also, I really but, like that they were able to ride the giant salamanders. Yes, I was like, this is yeah. cool. I'm I'm here yeah, for this. this. Really cool. And like the the cool and unique thing as far as. I mean, there's a lot of cool, unique things in it, but for the relationship, what I thought was interesting is that there was both the, like, uh, like arrow, not arrow, do we want, like, is this a romance, what's going on here part, and there was also the, like, cultural, like, misunderstandings that was mixed in it, and that made it kind of different from others. Like, I, cause, like Baker Thief, they have a discussion at the end of it of what they want and what they don't want, but that one, like, they, there's another one like this in, in uh, Two Dark Moons, but it's completely different because they also have to figure, like, like they have completely different cultures, and that kind of created my, my misunderstandings through the stories, and they have to figure that out on top of everything else. Yeah. That was, was cool. um, hey, he, they, they um, were raised in the dark because they were in exile, because they were born under the wrong yeah. moon. Um, oh yeah, oh, yeah then, right. That's true. It's been so long. Um, and then So Meng, So Meng, So, um, uh, was born under the wrong moon, but her parents waited an hour to announce yes, her birth. Hour. Um, so she was under a different moon, and so she was raised in the feminine. And it, it was it was really interesting how like rigid the astrology was like you unless you yeah. cross this bridge you weren't an adult and now this bridge is broken and you can't cross it so therefore you're stuck as a child forever um and i thought that was a really interesting like a community initiation kind of thing it's a really and then like hey bites her on the neck because they were like i need to save you from the lizard so they don't eat you so you're my mate now so it was, it was just, oh. it, that was like, it was like really funny and really sweet 
And I, I kind of, like, the lizards reminded me of, like, the dragons from How to Train Your Dragon. <laughs> or at least yes. two clips, anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've only seen the first one, but yeah, I, I totally see what you mean. Yeah, it was, it's a, it's a beautiful book. It's a really unique and beautiful book. I love, I, I'm, like, I'm going mentally through my list, and I don't know, this might just be my own, like, reading bias, but I find that a lot of um, secondary world or high fantasy ones uh, go for the queer platonic or or at least the undefined dynamics with arrow characters. And I, I wonder if it's just the fact that you can kind of build your own world that allows them to just break that off. Because a lot of the ones that I know are that way. Yeah, and, no, that makes sense. Because like when you create your own world, you can have your own rules and you don't have like, to define it by contemporary standards. Yeah, because I just I just finished the, the thread that binds from Sidar McCloud, and there's a lot of this like in the world building. It's a different world, but there's a lot of it that is kind of one for one for our world. So like they have the astronet instead of like, internet because it's made of the it's using the astral plane, which it's so you can basically recognize a lot of our stuff. But then there's like the society society like at least the one where it happens has no like defined gender, so everyone use a as the pronoun. Platonic partners are super like. There's at least one of them that's clearly identified as, and then there's uh, two A-spec characters that are older that are also in, it's it's more written as a romantic relationship, but they're both A-spec, so they don't use square planning, but you can tell that they have their own unique thing going on there. So it's just like, you know, it's it's you can recognize parts of our world, but when you read it, it's just, there's none of those like um, normativity things, which is, normativity is just the, uh, kind of the idea that everyone is adding for a pairing of two people in a romantic relationship. Yeah, now I have the paperback of The Thread That Binds because um, I read Cedar's very old webcomic from yes. way back in 2011, the Edition Zero. That's how I, yeah, that's how I found them too. Um, and I think that was the first thing I ever saw that had ace characters that used the word asexual. Um, yep. And I was like, oh, this is really cool, because a lot of the queer relationships I was seeing at the time were, or at least the ones that weren't, like, fanfic were in webcomics. Um, yeah. And I think so, webcomics did a lot of work to get was, stuff out there. I was there. gonna say, if you look, like, five years back, maybe, I think, like, I found them maybe... Mm, four years back, something like that. But four or five years back, when you were looking for uh, ace representation, it was like most of it was webcomics and uh, self-publishing indies. And it was, it was, it existed out of it, but it, there was like five or four books that the names kind of got around. It was a lot harder to find than it is today, that's for sure. But webcomics for sure were one of the like big ones out there that you could have. And I, I remember Ignition Zero. It's one of the first ones I found too. When I started looking, when I actually knew I could look for that, I started looking, and that's one of the first ones I found. Yeah, the Cedars art is absolutely gorgeous. I have the tarot deck that they put out. Um, at least the first one. I think they have two. Yeah, there's and, two now. There's uh, I think the the Numinous Tarot is the first one, and then there's yeah. a or a Redbound Oracle that goes with the book, which. I am not a tarot person, but I really want the tarot deck now. I have the Numinous Tarot. I don't have the one that goes with Thread That Binds. I don't really, I like, I'm vaguely afraid of tarot. Like, I'll do it, but it's just like, I don't want, what if the 
cards as something mean or bad. Uh, <laughs> so instead, I just collect all the pretty tarot decks that I like that are made by, like, queer creators. <laughs> yeah, I mostly want it because it's, it's going to be super pretty and it's, like, book-related. Everything is book-ish, and I want that. But no, I see this heart is... I haven't put it out yet, but I have an anthology that's all of my short stories that I got published that I have the rights back to, and I made... I, I, uh, they made the cover art for it. Oh, that's really cool. And I actually, I have, it's funny because I haven't published the anthology. It's been, some people have it because it was one of the, the Kickstarter rewards for Common Bonds. But like, I have the actual original art, like the physical version of it, because it's the traditional art in, in, a, in a frame in front of my desk. I'm looking at it right now. Oh, and that's it's really beautiful. cool. So you, one of the things that you did was you created the aromantic asexual character database. Um, did that come out of, like, as you said, it was hard to find books with Ace Arrow characters? It came out at a time where it was still harder to find, but there was, you know, there was starting to be quite a few of them. I could easily, like, think of, like, maybe 50, if I, you know, easily, if I took the time to write them down, I could find, like, maybe 50 of, like, either Ace or Arrow characters that I knew existed, and and there was a bunch of like whenever someone published something like when uh, it was right around when uh, every heart or doorway came out and every single article that talked about ace rep was like there is no ace rep out there and it was super frustrating because most of the ones that were out there were smaller creature creators that didn't get a lot of um, a big window uh, a big a lot of uh, just opportunity to to be seen and be read or and I was like, no, there are a bunch of them out there. And I know sometimes it's hard to find because you Google and all you find is articles that, that say that there's none of it on there. So you stop searching, you know. I have to and, say, Googling or searching for books now versus when I was searching for fanfic, webcomics, books 10 years ago yeah, is a lot harder because of how Google's search engine runs. I found it was a lot easier to stumble upon random web rings or GeoCities or LiveJournal 10 years ago than it is now. But the, I wouldn't I wouldn't know because I wasn't looking for these things 10 years ago. I had no idea it was even a possibility. Oh, actually, yeah, I like I think I've, I've known for like six years now or something like it. I was writing 10 years ago, and I was writing what are clearly Ace and Arrow characters, but I had no idea that's what you called them, and that it was a thing. And it's kind of it's kind of weird to think that it's it's been that short a time because it really changed my life. Yeah, because it's like once the language gets out there and gets more used, then people are able to find it and be like, oh, that's how I feel. I'm yeah. not alone. Um, yeah, and it it also it, it kind of explained in my brain why why I wasn't writing any kind of romance, not not naturally. It wasn't like I had to really think about it. Like, yeah, I guess it would go well together. And, and it wasn't my first reflex. I know a lot of I, I know a lot of other Arrow people were writing romance because it was everywhere, but I was completely not there. But yeah, I wanted I wanted them to be as easily found as possible. And it started. It was just an Excel spreadsheet that people could filter, and and I just. Once I had started it, I wanted to make it as complete as I could, which is, it's not possible to find them all, I don't think so. Like, there are more Arrow books than there are Pokemons out there, I'm <laughs> sure. I only have half of them collected right now. Um, Gotta collect them all. 
and I wanted and one thing that like quickly became evident for me is I also wanted it to be easy to because we all have different needs. One of the things that was coming up a lot when I was doing that is that let's say I would hear ASPEC people, like people that were agree sexual, demisexual or something else, uh, say that a lot of the rep out there was just, uh, and I'm using quote marks here because I don't like the word, but pure asexual, someone that's asexual, but not on the spectrum. Because the word asexual can both, can kind of designate both if you, and yeah. I, so, so, and, and I was uh, hearing from asexual people that all the rep there was mostly like demisexual because it was easier to put them in a relationship and once again that's completely false but that's what was going what's being said and it was kind of weird to see both groups kind of say that the other group got more rep than the other and I was like I'm pretty sure it's it's fairly balanced as far as I could tell or even also like the is it like arrow ace or ace and L romantic also that that same discussion was happening and I was like, the thing is, we all need rep, but we all need different types of stories and, and, and representation. And I wanted people like someone that I wanted people to find exactly what they needed or as much as close as I, they could get. And yeah. like lists of 10 examples tend to not do that. So I wanted to kind of just not make recommendations, but just list everything that was out there. And then from there, you can do your own research. Yeah. And I, I when when it was just an Excel spreadsheet, I used it. Um, quite a bit for my book club because I was like, okay, I know there are books of ace characters. I can't remember any because my brain is doing a brain mm -hmm. fart. Uh, let me go look at the list. I'm like, okay, I have that on my bookcase. I have that on my bookcase. I don't have that. Let me go research that. And now that it's the ser more searchable site, that it's, it's such a pretty website. I love it. Yeah. Um, and it's just uh, it just got upgraded, and I'm really happy about it because it was like I I haven't been doing much of like writing or reading for the last almost two years now and and the database was super updated but I got someone to up, uh, up, update it for me paid update it for me over the course of the pandemic and now it's mostly up to date as far as as what we know and and I also I have someone that wanted a project to uh, learn to code and that took that on and and we made we're making a we're still making updates on it like as we speak it's, it's a really cool site um and because like i know like lgbtq reads has like searchable stuff as well but sometimes mm -hmm. it doesn't have like like when you're looking for like queer platonic then it's just like the blog post and it's like okay but which book was the queer platonic book yeah um, it's it, i think like they have two very different goals yeah um, and they complement each other really well they they do one of the other books that i'm I'm in the middle of reading right now is Steak Sauce by Rowena Silver. Yes. Which one? The first one or both? The, fir the first Second. one. I own both the of them. I think I actually have two copies of the first one. I just finished the first one. I just finished the second one and I didn't want to spoil you on it. <laughs> That's okay. So I don't, I, I'm spoiler friendly, um, but I really adore Pixie. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I mean, how, how can you not? I think my favorite line is, like, his ears drooped. And I just, I remember Rowena posting art of his ears drooping. And I was just yeah. like, oh, oh, baby. I, I love Jude, but I, I, I'm always in love in the anxious, super rigid ones. So the moment Jude was like, my name is Jude, after the patron of, like, lost causes, causes I was like, Oh, oh, you're my favorite. Now it's over. 
he I absolutely love him as well. I love them both, and I really like Jasper as well. Um, yeah. I think it's one of the few vampire books where they actually turn into bats. Yeah, it's super cute too. Like this I mean, human bat with like a pink puff of hair, and I'm like, yes, yeah. yes. I was I was gonna say when Pixie does it, it's just adorable. I was also really amused um, when he mentioned vampires living under Powell's bookstore, and I'm like, huh, vampires would be living under Powell's. Because <laughs> um, I know I've been to Portland and I know the city well enough to be like, okay, I know where this is. Oh, that's cool. I I have no idea because I'm not I'm not close at all from Portland. Unfortunately, I bet if I did close to Portland, I would be hanging out with Rona like every other weekend. <laughs> But yeah, Steak Sauce is is another one that's really interesting because, and I won't won't go into the details, but there's a, Jude Jude spends a lot of time over both books, uh, questioning not necessarily if if he's in a queer platonic relationship, but just what exactly is his relationship. And uh, Jude is one of the few times I've seen um, either, people either call it quo-romantic or quo-romantic. I'm pretty sure it's supposed to be quo as like the French word that's what or what the fuck romantic which is when you don't distinguish between uh, like platonic and romantic uh, attraction at all and and it's it's a really really good example of just like the kind of struggle that can bring up especially as Judah is someone that likes things well defined yeah and no, it, it's I interesting really like how Jude's character is written and Roanna's writing yeah it's 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 interesting to have someone struggle with the um, where to put the line, the line is really important for him. And that's not, it's not true of every character and it, it's not true of everyone. Some people are per- perfectly comfortable without labels and in fact, prefer not to have them, which I'll come back to that. But uh, it's nice to have someone like just struggle with it live. And in the second book he has a, is, he has a talk with someone else. That's like, no, it's, it's nice to be gray actually. And not know like someone that's super comfortable without it. And I know that's something I, I'm going to touch up somewhere in the Sea of Spires, like, trilogy. It's not a trilogy. There's going to be four, bo- four books. I need to stop saying trilogy, but... Quad Rally? It's, saga. It's, yeah, it's... Yeah. <laughs> series. I don't know. I'll, I'll find out. I just... It's... I've said trilogy for years, and then I wrote the draft for the third and looked at it hard and asked my editor, and we're like, no, that's four books. <laughs> what I wanted to touch on is that uh, I... Sp- the High Princesses Fair Illusion is, yeah. is some is from from um, I think it's SL Dove now on it or Lin. It's no, it's still, still Lin Hio Connect. There's, yeah, it's still Lin on that one. I don't know when they plan on changing it exactly. I don't think they. I don't think they will. I asked, and uh, from from what I understand, is all the uh, one that are more. Um, I'm losing my words. Not poetry, but the like. Verse. Uh, Verse. Yeah, verse novels. All of the yeah. ones that aren't verse novels are probably going to stay under Lynn. At least that's what I remember from when I asked, because the name changed, appeared when I was kind of offline for two years. But this one directly discusses, like, what are label, labels? Are they useful? Are they useful for everyone? Is it okay not to have them? Is it okay to just, like, know your labels and never use them because you don't really like them? And it's it really touches directly upon that, and that's Ice Princess Fair Illusion is one of my favorites just for the amount of small, very, um, I want to say deep discussions in the sense that it's not like Ace Arrow 101. It like goes kind of a layer deeper. The kind of things I've 
only ever seen talked like two arrows talking to two arrow or aces talking yeah. to one another rather than like in front of a public the kind of things that happens more behind closed door or half almost and it's in there and it's super refreshing to see it in a in a in a book because that's not something i've seen a lot of in um, more of the bigger traditional uh, publishing isn't quite there yet usually every now and then it kind of pops up but uh, most of what you pick up it's not going to be there but like if you look at the indies we were mostly doing it slightly yeah. ahead of time yeah. or something we have we have more freedom to just try these things and it shows yeah no i really i really loved it um i i think i went into it not realizing that it was a verse novel and i was like mm. oh this is really cool this would make a great audiobook because then i could follow it a bit better <laughs> Um, yeah, I'd also had never heard of the story of King Thrushbeard before, so I was like, oh, this is a fairy tale retelling of something I haven't read before. This is really cool. I liked how, and as you said, I liked the deep dives into the relationship conversations into yeah. beyond Ace 101, Arrow 101, and I know S.L. Lynn has discussed that in blog posts before of the point of they made the book was to be like, no, this is what I want to do. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was pretty cool. It's a, a really, it's a really, it's a really, yeah, it's a really interesting one. It's really, that you have, I think it's best when you know what you're getting into, because uh, the verse format can be a bit, uh, I'm not going to say off-putting, but surprising when you don't know. But if you know that's what you're getting, it, it has, it is so rich. It has so much in it. Yeah, there was there was one book I read I listened to last year that I didn't realize it was in verse until I got the hardcover because I listened to it on audio and I was like, this is an interesting format when it's because I was like, why is this paper hardcover so big? The audio was like four hours and I looked at it and I was like, that's why. Oh, that makes so much sense. It's so big. Like while well, we're on like verse or poetry things uh if, if people are looking for really cool queer planning things that are more poetry there's a poem by penny sterling called cucumber which is one of my favorite things out there and it's free on the internet because it was uh, published by uh, glittership uh, so it's also in audio if you want it and oh, really it's cool. about it's about uh, queer platonic partners in a sort of sword and sorcery universe they're like adventurers together they kill dragons and shit and it's about uh, the the pressure that others put on them because they're not defining their relationship like through marriage or something and it's as if their relationship as it is is not enough and it's the pressure of that and what they're going to do about it and it is delightful it's really good that's really cool i poetry uh high school poetry high school english class ruined poetry for me so i've been slowly mm. trying to get back into reading it because most of the time it just goes over my head and I was like okay if the poem is on audio I'm more likely to read it and then better understand yeah. it. So. I, I rediscovered like poetry when I started hearing it. I, I really like I like it well enough when it's written but if I can hear it I that's when I really like get into it. Yeah like I would I would watch like the beat poets that would like appear like on Facebook or YouTube stuff I was like, mm -hmm. okay, that makes poetry really cool. It's but then it's I never went beyond trying to find like a book because that's just daunting on its own. <laughs> yeah, I've I've had a few where I would just pick it up, read a few, and then set it down, uh, and then come back. And I know 
I don't remember. I think there's one that's called The Goddess of the Hunt that's entire, that's written by an A-spec author, and it's and it I know it has Artemis on top, and it's an entirely like arrow ace poetry book. I haven't read it, but I know it exists. Oh, that's really cool. Uh, so are there any queer books that are coming out on your TBR that you want to mention? Oh, that are coming out. Or are already out, I suppose. Like a TBR in the sense of you haven't read it yet. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, it's because I've been so out of touch. I'm kind of barely like catching up with what's out there. I haven't touched, except Come Drink With Me, I haven't read any of the um, Arrow uh, Chinese fairy tale retelling from uh, Michelle Kahn. And I really want to because I know Come Drink With Me was gorgeous is um they're all they're all chinese fairy tale retellings i think there's three of them out right now i if come drink with me is any indication it's they're short because come drink with me was uh, in our common bounds uh, submission file at some point and it has been republished so that's one um eh thames is one of my favorite like arrow authors out there and he, they have a they have a Medusa Arrow retelling coming out soon, which I forgot the name. I found them out. Through, That's really cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I found them out through a Birthday Landscape, which is definitely a poor planet relationship, and they have a contract, and they're adults. It's another fantasy one, and it's a warrior mage that's coming back from war. And when I say they have a contract, is it's literally like it's two partners and they signed kind of a marriage contract and there's no like romantic love there but they're life partners in a way and they have children and it's 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 beautiful and it's a really cool like new exploration of what you can do i guess uh, that, that sounds in, really different cool like the idea of a marriage contract that is strictly for convenience but it doesn't it's, go it's, it's like they're they define ahead of time when their relationship was it's okay. The Arrowhead Medusa one is create my own perfection, and it is coming out super soon. I think it's like it's early April. Okay. So that's 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 the thing I really want to read when it comes out. And the Arrowhead. Essentially, I've been catching up on all the like uh, queer indies that I know very well that I kind of missed out uh, on while I was away learning to live. <laughs> I was no, I, I, was, I, I had to take a Sometimes break. I fall off the the fall off the bridge of reading books too, and then I'm playing catch up. So I I feel you on that. I I, I basically fell into uh, fanfic and video games world for an entire year. and I say video games at plural, but it was mostly one for a year. And I came back and I was getting back in my groove <laughs> in February last year. <laughs> so I like I was just getting back into it, and then the and pandemic. Then surprise! Hit. A pandemic. <laughs> Yeah, and and I had a few like work complications that lasted six weeks in the pandemic that completely broke me. And I, like I, any chance I had of like keeping going in the same rhythm and not needing to completely recover were shattered by that. So I'm playing catch up. Uh, so I, it's like, always okay to play catch up because yeah. we can't. There is no possible way to keep up with books as they come out without falling behind at all. Yeah, for sure. Um, so the, the two the threats. Oh, go yeah, ahead. Go ahead. Oh, um, I was so going to say the thread that binds was was catch-up for me. And now I'm picking uh, Everything's Guide to Homecoming from uh, Sienna Tristan, which is uh, Abby's partner. And so it's basically a bunch of A-spec people writing A-spec books. I know, I know the protagonist is a on the 
a spectrum at least i don't remember for arrow and i know it has like super gorgeous and intricate secondary world building for fantasy and i had tried to read it back when i was not in the right space and it was it was kind of like too deep in the world which is something i usually super enjoy and i was like no i don't have the brain for this so i'm excited to like go back now that I actually have the brain space for this. That's how I am with most like high fantasy or sci-fi. It's like I don't have the brain space to read this with my eyes. Please give me an audiobook. Yeah, I've uh, been, I'm trying really to get back books. into reading longer fantasy books with yeah. my eyes. So that's, yeah. that's the only fun. books I managed to read over the last two one year and a half or near enough were all audiobooks. So I got a lot of a uh, catch up on the more traditional published books that I wanted to read. And now that I can actually read ebooks, I read the indies because often they're not accessible in audiobook. It's harder to find. Yeah. Um, the two books with, I believe, queer platonic relationships in them that are on my TBR are um, obviously The Thread That Binds, is that I'm going to read soon. And then The Reckless Kind by Carly Heath is a queer platonic YA triad set in historical Scandinavia that comes out this fall. Yeah, uh, that came on my radar super recently because someone added it to the database and I was like, wait, what? <laughs> I'm uh, really excited about this one, but it's it like, involves know, fall races, 2021. And I'm excited. Yeah. It, um, it's, and then He it, Must Go Walk the Woods So Wild uh, by S.L. Dove Cooper um, yeah. is their forthcoming anthology. Um, and if I think I was reading the Twitter thread earlier correctly, there are queer platonic stories in it. I would not be surprised. I would I would be surprised actually if there were none. <laughs> I I expect I expect these things from Esaldo Cooper now. It's just like that's what Lynn's right writing most of the time is like not necessarily core planning, but at least uh, a spec or a spec and different relationships and kindness and small stakes too. I I love that about their work. I'm yeah, I'm excited about the writing this guy. I'm also excited about the reckless kind because, as far as I'm aware, I don't think I have seen a traditional published book like use queer platonic in their pitch, like in the small like publishers market, like in the like the keywords about the book. I don't think I've seen that yet, and uh, I might just I've missed one. But to me, that's kind of a that's kind of a landmark that this is getting used to like yeah like from the book that this is getting used to describe the book in like in general terms it, it kind of implies that they expect everyone to know mostly what that means that's that's new and that's when i when that i is. say it's like trad, trad publishing is kind of following always a year or two behind what i see in the, in the indies that's that's kind of it and I'm, I'm excited to see it happening yeah I've, I've been struggling a bit with some of the queer ya but i'm really excited for this one because I was like, what do you mean queer historical platonic thing in Scandinavia? Yes, please. Um, yeah, the, the fact that it, it's historical, <laughs> that really makes me excited. I, I have a, a, I mostly pick YA when there's like representation that interests me in it. Like there's, there has to be something in it that's specific. Otherwise, like it's not typically my genre, especially when it's a uh, contemporary. Like I can count on my hands the number I've read recently or like in the last years, because it's, it's it's just not my thing usually. So I'll go check them out for, for their representation. And But this one is historical, and I like historical quite a lot. Yeah, so me too. So I'm excited for it. Um, so where can folks find you on the internet? All right. I'm, I have a website that's just called com. So it's 
pretty straightforward to find. And most of my books are on there. I have ace and arrow recommendations there. So if you're looking up for like a list of everything that exists, but what I've super loved, uh, it's there. Um, and I'm on Twitter at CLH2OARS which, you know, CL for Claude H2. It's a pun. It's a pun in French. It's a chemical pun in French, which makes it really ex hard to explain, like, to English people. But CLH2O, like the letter, because yeah. H2O, like the water, and ARS as the beginning of Arsenal. I'll be there. But if I think if you're looking Twitter and just put my actual, like, full name there, I'll be there too. That's mostly, that's mostly it, really. I don't hang out on a lot of other... Um, social network it's i exist on instagram and if you tag me there i'll see it but i don't like i don't use it so if you're looking for me really that's where you you will find me okay awesome and people can find me at queer underscore reader on twitter and then uh folks can find rom book pod at r-o-m-b-k-p-o-d on twitter instagram and pinterest so thank you for joining us today claudie it was a pleasure that was really fun we hope you enjoyed this episode of ROM Book Pod, inclusively yours. If you'd like weekly recommendations for inclusive romance, please take a moment to subscribe. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest at ROM Book Pod. That's R-O-M-B-K-P-O-D. Thank you for joining us, and until next time, happy reading.